Hey guys, welcome back to the Couch Takes Podcast brought to you by Student Section Sports. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. If you have any comments, suggestions, or questions, be sure to DM us at Couch Takes on Instagram and at Couch underscore Takes on Twitter. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Couch Takes. Um, I do have some bad news. Andrew has left couch takes no i'm just joking he's actually at band camp today and uh we tried to work out some you know like a way for us to work around his schedule but band camp you know at the university of alabama it runs from like 9 a.m to like 10 p.m so we tried and it ended up not working out so it's just me this week hope y'all enjoy that (laughs) anyway i'm going to try my best to get through with this stuff and uh i still have the stuff that we were going to talk about so i'm going to run through this stuff and kind of just report it, some things that have happened over this last week and give you my take on it. This might be a little bit shorter than our normal episodes, and I'm sorry for that. That's just, I don't have anyone to go off of here, and this is just not something we're used to, but hey, I'll do my best. I do want to start off this episode just normally how we start off episodes. I want to give you my favorite thing of the week, and this isn't like, usually it's for me to talk to Andrew to tell him, but I just want to, I want to speak directly to whoever's listening right now. If y'all haven't seen Breaking Bad at this point, you really should. I've seen it a few times, and the reason I'm bringing it up is because I just finished it this past week because I've had, you know, nothing to do. And it doesn't matter how many times I've seen it. It's just as amazing every single time. I'm sure everyone's heard of the plot at this point, you know, teacher, drug dealer, makes a lot of money, blah, blah, blah. It's a pretty simple concept, and a lot of people personally that I've known have gone, no, you know, it just it doesn't seem like my type my type of show, and every single one of those people that is finally given a chance loved it. So I would honestly give it probably about mm, nine Pollos Hermanos out of ten. That's my quick little review, so you get a two for one. It's one of the best shows I've ever seen. I can't say enough about it. Please go and watch it. If <laughs> you know, I, I can't recommend it enough. That's all I'm trying to say. And that goes for Andrew, too, because honestly, I don't know if he's seen it or not. So I got to talk to him about that because if he hasn't, you know, I, I, me and some other people put him onto Game of Thrones and, you know, obviously that turned out really well. He enjoyed that a lot. But, um, and, you know, and speaking of Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad is one of those shows that, you know, let me step back for a second. Game of Thrones is one of those shows that I think went out the right way. They went out at their peak. I know a lot of people don't agree with the ending. I don't think it was the best, but hey, it is what it is. Breaking Bad most everyone will tell you so there's only 62 episodes in the whole show. It's five seasons long. Okay. It went out at its absolute peak and they did it right. Like I can't think of a better ending for that show. It, it was just perfect in almost every way. So if I don't know, I feel like that should give you some motivation to watch it because you're not watching for like, okay, there's a show I used to watch uh, called revolution. Uh, I don't even remember what it came on like NBC or something like that. I started watching it from the pilot episode, and it was about this, in a world where, it sounds like a movie trailer, (laughs) but no, no, no. It was this world where all the electricity one night just suddenly went out, right? So humans basically got sent back to the Dark Ages, uh, and you know they formed tribes, and they had to hunt with spears and farm and stuff and all that, and... Anyway, it was a great premise for a show, and of course, there was a lot of conflict between factions and like new countries formed, and it was really interesting and all of that. But um, 
Anyway, it goes on for two seasons and then they can the show. And, you know, like the story, it ended on a cliffhanger because they just ended it after one of their, I think it was the second season. So nothing. So my point is, I love that show and I loved everything about it, but I'm not going to recommend it to anybody because there's no end in sight. You know, you're just, what are you watching for the beginning? My point is Breaking Bad is amazing from beginning to end. Rant over about Breaking Bad. It's a great show. Again, watch it. So moving on to our sports-related news. First thing I got to talk about is the Antonio Brown situation. We talked about it last week. Um, So it has been confirmed he has frostbite on his feet. I was reading speculations last week, and nothing was confirmed yet, so I just wanted to throw that out there, but I was wrong, so there's that. So yeah, Antonio Brown's got frostbite on his feet. From what I understand, it's relatively minor. And he should be good to go week one. John Gruden said he wants him full speed this week. So and we're only in the second week of preseason. So I, I to me, that sounds like a good sign. Um, and, you know, I, I obviously I, I've been watching hard knocks and and they've been talking about that. And, and it, all the coaches and the general manager, Mike Mayock, they all seem to think that he's going to be OK. Like it's not really that big of an issue because it wasn't like it, it's frostbite and it's not a joke, but it's not major frostbite, you know. But that wasn't even the biggest deal of this past week. All of his helmet issues came out. So essentially, Antonio Brown has been wearing the same helmet for the entirety of his NFL career. And now the, uh, I think it's the Players Association. I could be wrong on that. But anyway, they have deemed this helmet unsafe, so he has to find a new one. Well, Antonio Brown doesn't want to do that. He feels like any of the new helmets would limit his vision. And that's why he's chosen this one for his whole career. So he filed a grievance against the NFL to let him use his helmet. And, of course, they denied that. So then he put a big thing on Instagram about, you know, he's going to come back and he's going to join his team. He threatened to retire. I knew that was a joke. That's probably just for leverage. I don't know, but I kind of think he's out of his mind a little bit, but I I don't care. Honestly, if he catches the football and he does his thing, then, hey, I think we're in a good, you know, we're in a good spot. But Antonio Brown... I kind of understand it in a way. I mean, if you're used to one thing your whole career, and especially something that limits your vision like that, but from everything I've read, his helmet wasn't deemed unsafe. It was, it aged out, essentially. That particular model of helmet is over 10 years old, which kind of like automatically removes it from their safety protocol. And since it's over 10 years old, it can't be renewed to be deemed safe again. I don't know why that is. I don't know why you couldn't go through more lab testing to just put it that way. But anyway, that's their laws about that. So anyway, he's going to be coming back. He's going to have to find a new helmet. So I don't know. I guess we get a new look AB, but if I had to guess, he's going to choose something very similar, something that, you know, it's not going to mess with his vision, something that's not going to mess with uh, his route running ability and all that. But, and, and honestly, I wasn't worried about any of this from the beginning. I thought, you know, the whole retirement thing is probably a leverage strategy. I don't exactly know what he tried to accomplish with that, but it's whatever. Um, But honestly, I have no concerns moving forward about this. Just looking at him as a player, I think he's going to be on the field week one, barring injury. But like I said, that should be fine. From all the reports that I've read, it should be okay. So that's kind of the Antonio Brown situation right now. But moving on, like I said, I was talking about hard knocks last night. This last episode was a lot different than the first one. It was a lot more football-oriented, but that could also be because the whole preseason week one game was involved in that. 
And man, I got to say, seeing John Gruden chew out uh, Mike Glennon and Nathan Peterman, the backup quarterbacks, it doesn't get old, man. It's just, it's to me, it's just kind of funny. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's just coaching. And, you know, obviously it's not something I was around, um, but it's it's definitely entertaining television. I think HBO hit the gold mine with, uh, with John Gruden and the Raiders and Mike Mayock and AB. I mean, honestly, it was the perfect storm for reality television. And I mean, I guess that's what you want to call it, reality. But they, so much happened in this last week with the Raiders training camp that it gave them a lot to cover. Like the Rams came into town and practiced and, you know, they had this whole throwback thing with um, when Sean McVay was John Gruden's wide receiver coaches last year at Tampa Bay and they had old footage of them talking and Sean McVay was, you know, like 22, 23 years old. So it's really cool how HBO orients all this. And I got to say, speaking of how HBO does things, the massive amount of puns that they use, like throughout the show, like they'll show Antonio Brown, like he he pulled off his socks. He said, y'all want to see my feet? And he shows him his feet. And then the announcer's like, there's trouble afoot brewing in the Raiders camp. I was like, dude, you didn't even try with that one. I mean, I appreciate a good pun, so I kind of like it. But at the same time, I was like, it's so cheesy. Trouble afoot hilarious but anyway point of it all is it's so interesting to see the behind the scenes things on all of this and i'm a big fan of hard knocks um although i've never had hbo so this is the first year i've actually gotten to see a whole season but i will see snippets from time to time from other seasons because of course these things are i mean it's awesome to see all this behind the scenes stuff going on so like in the first game they had like live mic'd up footage of one of the raiders rookies breaking his hand on a play and then, you know, they showed him going over to the sideline and getting checked out. Gruden's like, where's Crosby? You know, he's in the back. He's getting x-rayed. And he's like, just let me go play. Put a club on my hand. So you literally, they club him up. And he's got like a hammer on his right hand. And he has to go back out there and play. But it's it's just so cool to see their mindsets between all of this. You know what I mean? And of course, I can't go through this Raiders preseason game without mentioning the GOAT, Nathan Peterman, and his 50-something yard run against the defending NFC champions. Oh, man. That gives me such joy. I don't know what it is about Nathan Peterman. I I know he's just kind of a meme at this point. You know, shows up in his first start, throws five picks in the first half, whatever. That, you know, obviously that destroyed his confidence, as it would anybody. And, I you know, I think, obviously it's not a record you want to have. You know, Peyton Manning holds the record for most interceptions by a rookie quarterback. And every year... They ask him about it, what he thinks about the rookie quarterbacks. He goes, oh, hope they break my record. You know, so <laughs> I feel bad for Peterman in a lot of ways. But I mean, hey, he's still on a roster. He's fighting for the backup spot. And honestly, he didn't look terrible in that game. I watched him play. Mike Glennon threw two interceptions and Nathan Peterman threw a touchdown and no picks. So, I mean, that's progress, I guess. You know, I, I don't necessarily have one thing against Mike Glennon. I don't have another thing against Nathan Peterman. They're both kind of just dry like it seems like they don't have a lot of personality but I mean I guess you could guess that from them but to me they need some more of that fire to really be in there as quarterbacks and it's so cool to be able to say all this because it's like I couldn't tell you about you know Andrew Luck's backup who is it now is it uh, Jacoby Brissett is he still the backup there oh well it doesn't matter my point is I couldn't tell you if they're a fiery quarterback or not and that's the beauty of HBO's hard knocks is because you get to see not only the players and the behind-the-scenes stuff, and it's not like a minute mic'd-up session. It's it's like real. It's mic'd up. It's uncensored. You get to see how these people actually are on the football field. you know. But all that to say, this last episode of Hard Knocks, it was 
It's fantastic. I would give it a solid seven and a half blonde mustaches out of ten. You know, go check it out if you got HBO. If not, honestly, don't worry about it. It's just a lot better for me because I'm a Raiders fan watching it. But like I said, it's a good show regardless of what team. I thought last year with the Browns was good. So we're going to move on and talk about who other than Dak Prescott asking for $40 million a year to play quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I'm going to start by saying Dak Prescott is a good quarterback. I have nothing against Dak Prescott. All that to say, I don't know where he's getting this figure from in his mind. I, maybe it's because it's Dallas and, you know, they're the most valuable sports franchise in the world, yada, yada, yada. Whatever, okay? It doesn't matter to me. It's your worth, not the franchise's worth. Does that make sense? Dak Prescott, to me, is kind of one of those dink and dunk quarterbacks, but he can throw the ball if he needs to. He has that running ability. He's a safe quarterback, if that makes sense to me. He's not going to throw a lot of picks. He doesn't turn the ball over a lot. But at the same time, I don't think he's capable of putting up a 40-point offense consistently. Do you know what I mean? Not many people are, so I'm not holding that against him. But if you're asking for $40 million a year, you better be that guy. Guess who is that guy? Patrick Mahomes. And I cannot wait to see what his contract is going to look like because there's no doubt in my mind he's going to be the highest paid at the time. I mean... Shoot, Derek Carr, going back to the Raiders, he was the highest paid at the time. And he's only getting, they front-loaded his contract. It was five years, $125 million, right? So now he's getting like $22 million a year, and that's looking like a bargain compared to the highest paid now, which is Aaron Rodgers, and he's getting $33.5 million a year. Now, that's worth it. Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback. One of the best, if not the best. I've got to stick one in there for Andrew. So... You're really telling me that Dak Prescott is worth $6.5 million more than Aaron Rodgers. Now, I get it. The Cowboys went to the playoffs last year. The Packers didn't. That does not matter to me, okay? The Cowboys had a more complete team than the Packers last year. That's just the truth. The Packers have one of the worst defenses in the NFL. The Cowboys, on the other hand, had like three or four pro bowlers on their defense alone. They had the rookie Leighton Vander Esch, who... You know, if you remember at the time, that was kind of a head-scratcher. The draft dude, he turned out incredible. They had uh, Byron Jones at corner. Of course, you can't forget Demarcus Lawrence on the edge. Um, and then just going back to the offense, you know, they got one of the best lines in the league, Tyron Smith, Zach Martin. And then, you know, of course, Ezekiel Elliott. How could you forget him? And um, and you know, even the acquisition of Amari Cooper. Like I said, I don't think he he's the thing that put them over the top. I think that was more of just chemistry and cohesiveness and the combination of Zeke really turning it up. But you can't ignore that. They had a really complete team last year, and they made a decent run. It wasn't all Dak Prescott. So, I don't know what the Cowboys do here. Apparently, the Cowboys have already offered him $30 million a year, which, personally, I still think that's way too high for Dak Prescott. But I don't know why he walked away from it. I don't know why he went back in there to say $40 million. If the reports are correct, that's what happened, okay? I cannot see a world where Dak Prescott's making $40 million a year. So what do the Cowboys do about it? Do they try to trade him and get some assets? Of course, that's like the, the panic button choice. Of course, you don't want to get rid of your quarterback when he knows the system and he runs it fairly well, you know? But save your money for something else. Try to get at least some sort of bargain. If I were the Cowboys, I wouldn't have even offered him 30 But, you know, that's why I'm not an uh, NFL GM, I suppose. I think with Dak... 
there's just better options. Like even if you're Dak Prescott, why are you trying to shoot for 40? I understand that, you know, of course the option is more money, right? That's the answer to the whole question. But what's the expense of that? You're getting painted by this light in the media. And of course you could say, ah, you know, I don't care what people think about me. I'm just trying to make a career and blah, blah, blah. But you got to understand from the organization, asking for more money is one thing, but asking for an outrageous amount of money is a completely different thing. No quarterback is making $40 million. No player is making $40 million in the NFL right now. And honestly, I don't see like I don't see that happening for the next few years. Like I said, I think the quarterback that might could do it is Patrick Mahomes because you know he comes in, a second-year player, barely played at all, completely lights it up, throws for like 50-something touchdowns, and gets MVP and all that. That's the type of player that's going to get that money. The player that can do it on his own. You know what I mean? I think Dak Prescott can do some things on his own, but for Dak Prescott to really be Dak, he's got to have his supporting cast, you know? He's got to have those pieces around him. He's got to have the Ezekiel Elliott, the Amari Cooper, the defense. So what does he do now? I'm going to say he's probably going to come back and sign for around 33, with around where Aaron Rodgers is. I think that's probably what's going to happen. But I think this whole scenario is just kind of upside down. I just, I don't like the whole thing. But it's just my opinion, and that's why I'm not a GM. Next thing I want to talk about, of course, it's more football news. I'm hyped. Andrew's hyped. I can probably safely say we're all pretty hyped about football coming up. So sorry if uh, if it's a little overwhelming with couch takes lately. I know we've been talking a lot about it. If you have suggestions for anything else you want to you know want us to talk about, for sure send us in. In fact, we were thinking about doing some sort of like maybe some dark horse MVP picks for the Big Four. You know, NBA, MLB, NFL, and NHL. So. If you have uh, your picks, any suggestions you want to talk about, of course, you can always hit us up, DM us on Instagram or Twitter, and um, we'll talk about it. But like I said, we're going to move on. We're going to talk about some college football right here. Tate Martell. I'm sure a lot of you know who he is. The four-star prospect that went to Ohio State and then just here recently transferred to Miami after Justin Fields transferred from Georgia. So we have this big runaround going on. So to back that up, Justin Fields goes to Ohio State. Tate Martell goes to Miami. He's expected to be the starting quarterback. And what do you know? They announced just the other day that Jaron Williams is going to be the starting quarterback versus Florida to start the season and not Tate Martell. So then after that, um, the news comes through that Tate Martell didn't practice this previous Monday. And supposedly, he tore up his locker and ripped his nameplate off of it. And sure enough, I have a picture right here. I'm looking at it. Now, I don't know what Tate did. You know, like if, if he just wasn't putting in the effort or if he just wasn't good enough. If this uh, Williams guy, if he was a lot better. I mean, hopefully that's the case. Hopefully he just flat up got, you know, beat out. But, you know, of course, that leads the mind to wonder what really happens. And I'm not going to speculate I just want to say it's kind of incredible how some of these prospects turn out. I mean, it doesn't matter how high you're ranked, what university you go to, you can always be a flop. And that really that really stands out to me. And I don't want to put the blame completely on Tate Martell because, like I said, the whole story is not out there. And with Tate Martell, like I said, it goes to show he started out a four-star prospect. He comes into Ohio State. He can't win out the starting job. 
Justin Fields comes in. He doesn't want to compete with Justin Fields. He wants to go to Miami so he can be a starting quarterback somewhere. No problem. And then he gets beat out of Miami. So that could be the end of the whole Tate Martell. The the old Tathan Martell train is, you know, set off into the sunset. That could be it for him. I don't know. It, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him this season. You know, if something happens with Williams and he goes down and then Tate Martell has to come in or maybe he's just not cutting it, whatever. With this Mark Rick team in Miami, I could definitely see it happening. So who knows? Maybe it's the end. Maybe it's not. We'll certainly see. But I had to bring that up. I had to, <laughs> I, I, guess, I, I guess I didn't really give my take. My take is that he should have stayed at Ohio State and tried to compete there instead of trying to move for an easier job. I never think that's the right choice. But, you know, it is what it is. You know, Tua came in behind Jalen Hurts. Tua knew that Jalen was the solidified starter. But, of course, he got his opportunity and he took full advantage of it. And here's where we are now. Jalen Hurts is at Oklahoma. He was a grad transfer, so... Good on him. And, you know, Tua is leading this Alabama team that's probably going to be ranked number one or number two preseason. So, I mean, honestly, that's just where we are. Now moving on to the last thing I want to talk about. It's everyone's favorite time. It's the listener question. Well, we got one this week. A guy sent us a post on Instagram that had a scenario set up, and he wanted our takes on this. Now, Sorry, you won't get Andrews, but I'll probably tell you what Andrew would say. Here's what the post said. You can live in this mansion rent-free with a fixed salary of $5 million a year, but your favorite team never makes the postseason again. Would you do it? You know, at first, it's like, yeah, it's a tough decision, right? But no, not at all. This is an easy decision. You get to live in a nice house. You get $5 million a year. It's more money than most people ever see in their entire lifetime. And you get it in a year. And what's it cost? Your favorite teams don't make the postseason? First of all, I'll find new favorite teams. It doesn't matter to me. I have my loyalties, but, you know, I have a price too. Everyone does. But shoot, I wouldn't even have to watch sports for that much money. I have other things I like to do. I don't have to be watching sports 24-7. And, you know, even, yeah, it would hurt. It would suck to not see those teams be good ever again. I can still watch them. I can still be hopeful. Of course, in the back of my mind, I know, yeah, it's going to be terrible and disappointing, just like it is every year. But then I'd go fall asleep in my bed made of money. So I know that's super materialistic, but it's just the security and the safety of just not having to worry about that ever again. You wouldn't have to do anything the rest of your life. That's an easy question. Okay? Andrew? I imagine it would be a harder decision for him, but he would ultimately choose the money because I think me and him, you know, we, we, we have our little debates and whatnot, but we're relatively similar. We think alike. I, I, I'd like to believe that Andrew would make the right choice here and choose the $5 million a year. Well, thank you everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed this special report of just me and no one else. And Everyone go give out uh, give a shout-out to Andrew. Wish him good luck with the Million Dollar Band. Hopefully, we'll get this back up and running next week, but if not, um, well, I guess we'll get another one of these or something ev- something different. I guess we'll see. So, uh, as normal, if y'all have any suggestions for anything, anything you want to hear, anything you want us to talk about, please let us know. DM us, Instagram, Twitter. You know the drill. Everyone have a blessed week. See y'all around.